Christchurch, New Malden, 8th of December 2019, 9.30 service. Stephen Kurt speaking on where to find God this Christmas in the parties. Well, integration, it is one of the key aims that we have at Christchurch. And when I use that word integration, what I'm speaking of is the integration of our Christian faith into every part of our lives. You see, if this Christianity stuff is true, if the claims that it makes are genuine, then it's definitely not for just a section of our Sunday mornings, it's for every part of our lives. And that's why so much of our aim here on Sundays is to help us to see that there's not a single part of our lives that God isn't firstly relevant to, and secondly, there's not a single part of our lives that actually doesn't reflect to us part of God's reality. And so combining this sort of general theme with Advent, we've come up with this series of talks, and this is what they're called, we started them last week, Where to Find God This Christmas. And this series of talks uh, that we're engaged in is really all about integrating God into the whole number of things that we experience around this time of year. So the run-up to Christmas. Hopefully uh, enjoyable, at least in parts, but a time when many of us are manically busy with organising things like this, where you're going to go over the Christmas period. All of those uh, presents that you've got to buy and think about those particularly difficult people that it's tricky to get presents for. All of the food and drink that's got to be organised and then there's the decorations as well to get down from the loft and put up. And for many people, particularly at this service, there's all of those concerts and all of those Christmas plays involving our children, if we have them, that need attending. And while we're doing all of this, it can be assumed, and perhaps you do assume, that the Christian message during this time is don't forget the real meaning of Christmas alongside all of these things. But it's not really. Because genuine engagement with the Christian message and genuine engagement with the real meaning of Christmas is all about God being found, not alongside these things, not sort of separate from them, as though he could be placed in a separate container, but looking for God within all of these things. And this morning, we're particularly thinking about Christmas parties. The sort of ones you might have at work, or with your neighbours or friends, or perhaps with some other group that you belong to. Now, Christmas parties are frequently rather wild occasions, aren't they? Where people take the chance to celebrate with colleagues or friends as a way of expressing the camaraderie that they've been through together in the last year. They can be quite wild and even rather drunken occasions, can't they? So how can God possibly be found within them? Isn't this a case of Christchurch's vicar, as usual, being just a little bit naive and a bit over-optimistic in stretching the relevance of Christianity? Well, perhaps. But think back for a moment to the most famous Christmas party that we've seen on TV certainly in the last few years. I could be wrong, and uh, I could have missed some important ones since, 
But I think the most famous Christmas party to be on TV was actually the very last episode of The Office in 2003. Now, put up your hand if you've seen that episode, the last ever episode of the sitcom The Office, and this was in 2003. The Office, for those of you who didn't see it, was a sort of false documentary, a fake documentary or mockumentary, as uh, they're sometimes called, set in the office of Wernham Hogg, a paper merchant's in Slough, and it particularly focused on the antics of the boss, David Brent, who was so cringesome and so awful in the way that he ran this office as to be totally hilarious. But after a couple of hugely successful series, the makers of the office decided quite wisely that they would finish things off without making it sort of carry on and just get diminishing returns. They would finish uh, the office off with a couple of Christmas specials. And the second of these Christmas specials was particularly taken up with a Christmas party. And I remember as I watched this episode 16 years ago now, it was the year I came to Christchurch, my first Christmas at Christchurch. And I remember watching this and thinking how fascinating it was and how surprising it was that they chose to end this hit series in this way. Because for just one episode, most of the comedy in the office that had been rather um, based on bleakness was replaced by a great deal of hope. So Tim and Dawn, two of the central characters whose romance had always looked doomed, they suddenly and surprisingly got together. And even David Brent himself, after a series of disastrous blind dates, and to his own astonishment, met someone lovely who actually seemed to like him. And with the odd exception, the whole atmosphere of that last part of the episode was one where seemingly hopeless situations were resolved and previous enmity was replaced, even if it was only for a temporary time, by goodwill. And amazingly, all of this happened while in the background, the DJ, Keith, was playing the song, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. That was all rather out of character with the rest of the series. And yet it was somehow appropriate. It was somehow what people wanted to see. And it was fascinating that Christmas so easily provided the context for the office to be able to do this. Think of another famous Christmas party, and perhaps this one will occur to you. The famous truce that took place 105 years ago, when the British and German soldiers took a break from killing one another on Christmas Day 1914 to fraternise, exchange gifts, and play football together. Now, the historians tell us that the scale of this has probably been rather exaggerated. But the power of the story of this and the fact that people want to believe in it and Christmas adverts still from time to time exploit it tells us a great deal. Christmas parties, and this goes for the ones that we attend as well, are important to us because particularly when the context around them has been rather bleak, they somehow bring a bit of hope. The year that we've had can be really tough, but it still seems important and right to celebrate the good things of life with those uh, uh, that we're around most. 
And it's from this basis that we then see those surprising acts of goodwill to all people occurring. The atmosphere of celebration at Christmas somehow brings with it the pull to bury the hatchet with those with whom we've had a problem and declare a bit of a Christmas truce. And whether it's the cause or whether it's the result, it's particularly helped at Christmas parties at work by the atmosphere of celebration making the distinction between bosses and workers and all the normal hierarchies of work level out a bit. And all of these factors point us rather massively, if truth be told, in the direction of what the coming of Jesus Christ is all about. Because the truth is that everywhere that Jesus went, a party was then going on. A time of feasting and celebration because the kingdom of God had broken into the world. That was Jesus' message. With my coming, Jesus was proclaiming, both with his words and even more with his actions, God's new rule, God's promised future, had broken into the world. Creation was being renewed, God's people were being restored, and everyone, without exception, was welcome to be part of this. That's why it was so appropriate that Jesus was constantly feasting and celebrating with people. Now, it got in criticism, of course. We know that Jesus was accused by people of being a glutton and a drunk. And in part of that passage that we heard earlier, he was asked why his disciples didn't fast, in other words, go without food as part of their devotion to God, like other religious people did. And Jesus said in response that it was a bit like asking guests at a wedding celebration to go without food. To fast. In other words, Jesus said, now is not the time for fasting and going without, even if that's a good thing at other times, because with my coming, Jesus said, it's all about celebration. And he gave those illustrations of not putting new wine into old wineskins, not showing a sewing a new patch on an old garment, to illustrate the point he was making, that with his coming, everything about the world had changed and no one needed any more to be imprisoned by the past and a key part of that was the welcome into the kingdom of God that Jesus extended to people who'd previously been excluded so tax collectors prostitutes women children people with leprosy central to the message of Jesus was that with the coming of the kingdom of God, previous hierarchies and previous distinctions were abolished because everyone was now welcome on completely equal terms. Welcome to receive healing, welcome to receive forgiveness, welcome to receive a place and a role in God's family. And there was no greater demonstration of this, as I say, than the parties that Jesus not only went to, but was at the center of. Last Sunday here at Christchurch was our Grapevine Christmas meal. Now, Grapevine is the lunch club that we run here at Christchurch, and every month, but particularly at Christmas, we want it to represent all of this to the fullest degree possible. So last week, led by Sarah, uh, an amazing team cooked five turkeys for a fantastic lunch for, I think, 81 people, including helpers, were counted there. And not only the wonderful food, but the singing of carols, the decorations, and the presents that they all received, it produced, and we can see a photograph of it, 
with uh, a rather dodgy-looking Father Christmas on the right-hand side. All of it produced an atmosphere of celebration, an atmosphere of welcome, and an atmosphere of equality that did a huge amount and does a huge amount to bring hope to those who come. Nothing, in short, can point us more to what the message of Jesus Christ is all about than a good Christmas party. If we throw a Christmas party or we're part of it, we are incredibly close to what Jesus was doing when he came to show people what the kingdom of God was all about. And we may find that surprising, but I firmly believe that it's true. So we've seen this morning how Christmas parties can reflect the good news of Jesus Christ. But how can we respond? If we've got a work Christmas party coming up, quite a few have already happened, but if we've still got one coming up, or if we've got a do-round at our neighbours, or we've got any sort of Christmas party, how can we respond in a way that reflects a Christian perspective? Well, I've got three uh, suggestions as I finish this morning. First of all, we can see Christmas parties as an opportunity to celebrate the good gifts of God's creation. Food, drink, friendships, success, they're all good things. And partying and enjoying them is all part, therefore, of our worship of God who has given those good things to us. Worship of God is using the good things of creation well. Jesus got into trouble for not observing the Jewish Sabbath in the way that people thought he should have done. But the reason is because Jesus came to see a renewal of creation, which in many ways made the Sabbath as a sign of that future rather obsolete. Jesus was bringing the reality. There was no need for the sort of advanced signposts once the reality had arrived. And so taking time to relax, taking time to enjoy what we have, rather than just working all the time, is something that is completely in tune with this. So as we celebrate at Christmas parties this year and celebrate the good things that God has given us, perhaps the challenge is to do that a little bit more consciously. As we celebrate at Christmas parties, to be consciously in our minds thanking God for all of those good things that he gives us. Thanking God for the colleagues uh, that we've got. Thanking God for the job, if we have one, that we're at a, a work party for. Thanking God for the friendships, for those people that make a difference to our lives. Celebrating those Christmas parties, probably in many ways on the surface, the same as ever, but doing it consciously in our own mind as an act of worship to the God from whom every good thing comes. So that's the first challenge for our Christmas parties this year. A second one is this. Taking the opportunity to use those good things of creation well. Parties can be great, but they can also be times, if we're honest, when things happen that shouldn't. And the crucial thing is to make sure that we're in control of the good things that God has given us rather than the other way round. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't relax. It doesn't mean that we can't let our hair down and have a really great time. But it's a case of believing that the things that God has given us are so good that it's really important to use them well rather than badly. 
and particularly when it comes to alcohol, it's very easy to surrender that control that God wants us to have over the good things that he's given us. God wants us to be in control of all the good things that he's given us. He's given us that responsibility. And very often as human beings, we want to reverse that. We want to make those things in control of us. But God wants us to be in control of all the good things that he's given us. Because if we don't, if we surrender control to those things, then really negative things happen to both us and others as a result. And again, we can really commit that sort of resolve to God in prayer. We can pray that as we celebrate at Christmas, God will help us to handle the good things that he's given us really well, rather than in any way negatively. And thirdly, lastly, let's use the Christmas parties that we go to as the opportunity to demonstrate that goodwill, forgiveness, and inclusion is at the heart of the Christian faith. Now, this is something that we can very intentionally do. This is something that we can use Christmas parties as an opportunity uh, to do. And perhaps we can do this slightly differently from the way that we've done it in the past. Perhaps we can use Christmas parties as a very conscious opportunity to welcome new people into a friendship group, people who've been rather on the outside of things. Perhaps we could even use a Christmas party as the opportunity to apologise to a colleague whom we've clashed with a bit or been a bit impatient or grumpy with in the last year. It isn't out of place when people do that. Quite often a Christmas party uh, suddenly provides the opportunity for people to make a bit of a Christmas truce or hopefully something a bit more long-lasting. The atmosphere of Christmas, to go back to that office Christmas special, the atmosphere of Christmas can very often help us do those sort of things. It sometimes can help those sort of things to happen anyway, but perhaps we can take advantage of this to be a little bit more intentional about it. Perhaps we can say a little prayer to God, asking that as we uh, attempt something like that, a bit of reconciliation, perhaps where it's needed, that God will actually use the season of Christmas to help that reconciliation come about. It's all about approaching our Christmas parties with a desire to have an integrated faith, to approach them and all the other things that happen around this time of year in a distinctively Christian manner. And let's be encouraged by the fact that Jesus was not a party pooper. Let's have those pictures up again. Where Jesus went, wherever he went, there seemed to be a party going on. And parties to to repeat, point us as much as anything to what Jesus was all about and what Jesus is all about. So let's remember that this Christmas as we seek to lead integrated lives. Let's look for the reflections of God's presence in everything that we experience and let's seek to respond to Christmas parties in the way that God wants us to. Amen.